Hello, and welcome to Higher Voltage, a podcast that explores the ins and outs of higher education marketing and touches on all aspects of the business of higher education. Formerly known as the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, we've been on hiatus since December of 2018, and after such a long layoff, a new name seemed in order. We are brought to you by eCity Interactive. For more than 20 years, eCity has been creating marketing strategies, websites, and digital experiences for higher ed institutions, large and small. Inspired by challenge and proven by results, eCity can help you solve the greatest challenges facing your institution today. My name is Heather Dotchell. You have most recently encountered me leading the marketing and communications teams at two Philadelphia area colleges, and I'm excited to welcome you to this inaugural comeback episode of Higher Voltage. Today, we're diving into the world of higher ed social media by exploring the toll the pandemic has taken on the mental health of social media pros in higher ed these last few months. Taxing and misunderstood in the best of times, the role of the social media manager has been ablaze since the pandemic hit in March. Social media pros have borne a heavy burden of logistical and emotional stress while being on the front lines of listening, responding, and taking broadsides in this heightened atmosphere day after day, week after week, and month after month. So how have they coped? And what are schools doing to support their social media staff through this? Today, I welcome two guests to discuss all of this. Not only do they do the job day in and day out, but they are leading voices in higher ed social media. John Stephen Stansel joins us from the University of Central Arkansas. John Stephen has worked in social media for almost a decade, including running social media for Texas State University and the Texas Department of Transportation. He is currently the digital and social media specialist at the University of Central Arkansas and the co-host of the Thought Feeder podcast. Krista Boniface is a senior social media strategist who oversees the central social media presence for Canada's University of Toronto. She has nine years of marketing and communications experience in higher education, nonprofit, and startup environments. She manages just a few of the 400 plus social media accounts across University of Toronto, which means a lot of collaboration with the tri-campus community to share content that meets everyone's needs. So, John Stephen, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your journey in higher ed social media, and anything else you think we need to know? Oh, definitely. Well, I think you pretty much covered it, but, but thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, great. I'm excited to be here in the, on the inaugural uh, revamping of the podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm John Stephen Stansel. I'm at the University of Central Arkansas. I'm on Twitter at JS Stansel. Uh, I've been doing this for, oh my goodness, uh, a, a while now. I, I started my career in higher ed actually teaching and was planning on going back to get my PhD. Uh, but I started using social media in my classes and for my department and just really loved it and kind of had a knack for it and explored the possibility of, of doing that full time, which I did at Texas State University. Uh, and then did that for a little uh, while, left higher ed for, for government at the Department of Transportation. And then this job at the University of Central Arkansas came back open uh, and it was just a nice chance to jump back in and go back into higher ed and come back home to my hometown where I grew up, I'm, you know, right here just down the street from, uh, from, from, from the house I grew up in now. So uh, it's nice to kind of bring the career full circle. Excellent. Uh, so, Krista, same questions for you. What do we need to know about you, uh, your career, and your passions? 
Well, a little bit about me. I'm uh, tuning in on this podcast from Canada. So, hey, from up north. Um, I'm happy to be joined by all these amazing voices in higher ed. So I'm happy to be here. Um, My journey in higher ed actually started when I was still a student. I was a residence assistant. I was very involved when I was an undergrad. I love the university impact on students and how it really changed their lives as they went into the working world. Um, I actually went out into TV and film nonprofit after that. I worked for the Canadian Screen Awards, which are sort of like the Oscars up here in Canada. Um, It was a wild ride there. Nonprofit is uh, quite similar to higher ed and very different in other ways too. Um, But I did a lot of red carpet social media at the time in that job. Um, I was one of the first people in Canada to use the Twitter mirror with celebrities. That was pretty interesting. A lot of social media at the time was very activations-based. So I wasn't sure if my career was going to take a road into events or Social, social as a job wasn't really um, formed at the time. Um, and then I went out into doing uh, nonprofit work for also government, but for a Canada government of Canada project for the sequicentennial, Canada's 150th birthday. We are very young, um, but that was a really great project for me to do a national scale project, and it got my feet wet in uh, working with different communities across the country. And then the position came up at the University of Toronto for the social media officer job. And it was one of the first jobs that was strictly social media. Before that time, about five years ago, um, social media was enveloped into different roles. It could have been also web. It was um, some reporting, some writing. Um, So this was the first job that was fully social media. And uh, it was sent to me by a couple of people. And I just thought, okay, I'll I'll apply. We'll see what happens. Um, And I got the role. I just loved it. And then over time, I've grown into a strategist role. So now my role has to do with uh, coordinating efforts within our three universities. So Mississauga, Scarborough and Toronto, very similar in location, but within the greater Toronto area, if you have a map in front of you. Um, And uh, yeah, so my job is more on the strategy side of social, but I'm really loving it so far. All right. Thank you. Let's dive into our conversation. There's not a robust body of research regarding social media and the mental health of those who manage it in higher ed. That said, West Virginia University published an article written by Tony Dobbies and Ricky Huffman and based on research by Donna Kasich. It was frankly distressing. The report finds that nearly half of social media managers in higher education say they don't have adequate support and resources to ensure good mental health. Furthermore, on an average day, social media staff rate their mental health at 6.3 on a scale of 10, but only at 4.5 in a crisis. Lack of informational notice, lack of time sharing, lack of job sharing, and lack of inclusion in decision making are all called out as significant contributors to this struggle. Conversely, supportive supervisors and having a voice in discussion and place at the decision making table help our social media managers' mental health in real ways. So let's start with you, Krista. What did your position look like in the before time of COVID um, as compared to how um, that initial flurry of transition really started affecting what you do? 
Sure. So before COVID, it's like a, it needs its own little acronym at this point. Uh, it's going to be such a huge chunk of our lives. Um, but before that time, uh, we were very news focused. So we have a, a news team that creates um, articles and content and we get kind of a daily report the day before. And then that structures our kind of timely content for the day. Uh, we would have a number of videos that would go out, but a lot of it was narrative focused. A lot of it had a lot of creative control. Um, we had campaigns that would run throughout the year, uh, but there wasn't really a lot of content that faced the issues at hand. Uh, whereas in the flurry of transition, uh, we actually were able to form teams, uh, leadership teams that informed what the strategy was like when we got into the co into COVID, telling people, you know, sending them to websites that had Q&As of how to, you know, um, kind of transition how, out of housing or uh, working from home or studying from home. And a lot of it, as I'm sure is the same for every university, but a lot of it had happened very fast. And most of my job then became, how do we respond to the questions that we're getting? Because there isn't enough information on the websites we're sending them to really capture what their fears, what their anxieties were. So my job then became uh, more of the issues monitoring, creating reports, and then having those reports inform what the content was that we were creating to start trying to answer those questions and lessen the burden on uh, our help desk team, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more but yeah a lot of a lot of my job has changed and also people on my teams and the roles around me have changed in order to accommodate what um our community needs at this point okay thank you um john stephen what about you uh pretty similar to kind of what, what krista mentioned you know it was your, your typical if there is a typical social media day uh, i'm not really sure that exists but but uh, you know, a lot of informational posts, you know, we were thinking about running our, our paid ads for, for enrollment, you know, working on, we had a giving campaign coming up and really thinking about that. Um, but for us, one thing, you know, we had a crisis communication committee that met once a month to kind of talk about issues that we thought were coming up. And, you know, one thing I had noticed, both my my in-laws live in China. So as we were starting to hear reports and they were, were isolated and quarantined uh i brought that up into to one of our crisis comedies like hey this is something we need to look out for is this something you know wh what are we doing for our international students who might be affected by this already uh and what what are we going to do if it happens here and, and remember having that discussion and somebody bringing up well we probably need to have a plan in place for communications if um we have to shift the campus remote. And I remember thinking to myself, just rolling my eyes in my head, like, that's never going to happen. It's not going to get that bad, right? Um, and th this was probably in January, I think. Um, and you kind of monitored the situation as, as it started progressing. In Arkansas, we were hit a little bit later. So we had kind of the luxury of seeing how other universities were responding before we were, we really had to. Um, kind of, kind of seeing the dominoes fall and know that oh, you're, it's gonna, it's gonna hit you at some point. So we kind of had that luxury to, to, to kind of model our response after what was working at other universities and what avoid some of the pitfalls. I think we saw some other universities fall into, but yeah, that Floria transition, it happened just, it was quick. It once, once, once it started to fall, it was okay. What are we doing now? All right. Go home, everybody. Let's we're, we're remote. Um, so, and, and I think, and since that point, um, we've kind of managed to 
have everything in order. So when those communications need to go out, there's kind of a plan and protocol for it. And we, we can, we can do it pretty quickly. I think at the beginning it was everybody kind of, you know, a good Southern phrase running around like a chicken with your head cut off um, and not knowing what to do or who to have the approval from. And now it's all very streamlined where even if we get that communication that, Hey, this needs to go out in five minutes, we, we can, we can ship real quick. Both of you mentioned um, that there was, though, a bit of shift from um, having an outbound narration focus to a lot of what you did to kind of constant uh, reactive and proactive crisis communications. Do you think that shift um, changed the way that the administration at your universities viewed social media and that position? I think it definitely became a, a primary channel. Like the just, you know, the amount of time and effort that it takes to put into a post, a single post that can reach for our our uh, point of view, I think it's like half a million people. Um, so I think they, they kind of understood the impact of making a statement by a social rather than putting it internal. I think there's a bigger, a bigger uh, voice there than they realized, I would imagine. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what I'm seeing across the board is kind of a mix at different universities, how it's treated and 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 wh where it's pulled in. And the ones that I think are the most successful are the ones where they're getting that social media person in the room to talk about it and, and say, hey, this is what we're planning or how's what's the best way to share this on social media as opposed to handing over the information and saying, just post this. Um, you really, it really takes cooperation with your, your communications team because one, one, it's not one size fits all the same communication that you're putting out via email is not how it's going to work on, on social. Uh, and we can't put emphasis more on one than the other. We've got to have, we've got to have all those, those different, uh, gears working together. You've got to have email, you've got to have the information on the web, we've got to share it on social. And on social, there's all those other little tiny little factors to think of, 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 well, we can't share this on Twitter the same way we're doing it on Facebook. And it's a different audience there. And who's monitoring those questions? Um, you know, even sitting down, no, being part of that planning committee and sitting down with university stakeholders and writing up a, a list of talking points of, of expected questions that you think you're going to get on social. Because these happen at all hours, you know, I, it'll be 9 p.m. and a parent has a question about move-in day and I can't call the director of housing and find out the exact answer to that question. Um, I could, but she would end up strangling me at some point. So um, go ahead and anticipating and getting those answers there and confirmed uh, before uh, your audience starts asking them is always a good thing. So who all is monitoring those questions across all of those social media channels? Is it just you? Do you have larger teams? Uh, what would you say is typical? Um, I don't know what's, I don't think there's a, anything typical <laughs> in higher ed social media, but uh, for us, it, it's me. I, I'm a team of one. I'm monitoring all of those. Uh, granted, sometimes of my supervisors will jump in and, and kind of dip their toes in the water, but we don't want to have an overlap and have some one person answering a question and while another person's typing it up as well. Um, so it's, 
uh, in, in my case, it, it's just me. I, I, there are other schools that have much larger teams and people working in shifts doing it. But, um, you know, we're not a, a giant school. We've got about 11,000 students. So it, it's compared to other positions I was in when I was at tech, uh, the Texas Department of Transportation. I handled their crisis calm during Hurricane Harvey. And that was just just constant barrage of, of, of questions. And we had to have multiple people at all hours kind of working on it. But, but um, with our student population, it's pretty, pretty manageable. Mm-hmm. And for our team, so I work with one other person um, and we have access to an issue manager uh, or like issues monitoring software called uh, Meltwater. So we go into there and we can kind of like put in a, like a Boolean search. I've gotten really good at this. It's just like t- tossing in as many keywords as I can anything that I can anticipate coming up. I also do um, Twitter searches just on the the platform, just at U of T and add a word and just see if anything's come up in the last few years. If it has, I toss it in. (laughs) And uh, that's been so helpful because um, we can actually pour through there. I can deselect certain tweets or posts in there. And then I create my own manual report out of that and send that to our issues managing team. So I'm a bit different than JS that I don't sit on the issues management team, but I send them reports and they use the information from what I'm gathering for their um, team meetings up, up the leadership. So that seems to be working fine for me. Um, as far as I send maybe report every morning and evening, if it's a high alert situation, um, sometimes more, um, if we're doing a weekend, I try to send something close to around noon. So they have a couple of hours to deliberate until I have another one that I send over. Um, the thing about sending issues, like in issues reporting, is that you can often have overlap if something is like a, cer- a certain tweet is like has legs and it goes throughout the week. And so how do you manage that and how do you kind of distill that for leadership to say, like, this isn't new, but we still haven't dealt with this. So we're going to keep it on the report until until we do. Um yeah, and from our, our standpoint, we we don't really respond until there's an official statement. Um, it's just kind of been the way it's always been. Um, but that kind of empowers sort of the Q&A side and the, um, the news stories and how the information that they could be looking for is captured in something that we would post ourselves. And I think that's so important, too, that monitoring and that sort of we're kind of the canary in the coal mine. Of- yeah you know, seeing, you know, I, I, I don't use mobile. I've got several searches in Hootsuite. So I've even got like location-based searches. So anything, you know, if you say COVID-19 within a five mile radius of campus on Twitter, it pops up in a, a search stream. And that can be, you know, that early warning system of, oh, hey, this might be an issue we need to pay. You know, I, I compare it to tremors before an earthquake. You start to see yeah. just little bits of, uh, you know, students upset about something or, you know, one question starts to bubble up a little bit more and you can kind of give the heads up uh, to, to your, your supervisors like, Hey, not sure if we need to respond to this yet, but we need, we're, we're watching this. Mm -hmm. Recently we knew that course offerings uh, were open on a certain day and there was still some confusion over the hybrid model and how they were going to select their courses, especially for international students. So we knew that that date was coming up. Um, so it can kind of, you can go backwards too, as far as like knowing that something's going to come up and watching for those terms. So what I'm hearing here is a lot of fantastic use of tools and solutions to meet the challenges that are thrown at you nonstop. 
I sit here and wonder, when do you sleep? Have you had a weekend <laughs> since January? <laughs> uh, where are you with all of that? Uh, well, from my end, um, I'm unionized. So I, I get <laughs> overtime pay if I work overtime. So I've actually been sleeping. <laughs> there are times, though, that we just have to work like it. You have to. And our teams are quite small. Um, but definitely there are managers that take uh, the brunt of that, I would say. Yeah, and I, I I think there is a bit of a misconception too, I, I, where I think a few years ago that you know, we kept saying social media doesn't sleep, but a student who tweets us at three a.m. is not expecting a response at you know three o two a.m. That there there's a reasonable expectation that you know it may take a few hours before they get that that response. Um, now I do have certain alerts like if. The university is on fire. My phone blows, <laughs> will blow up, you know. But like, um, but you, you you've got to take care of yourself, or you'll you'll just mm-hmm. burn out so quickly. And I, I've been in that that situation where I, I've felt that pressure to, to to constantly be on and constantly check. Um, you know, I I would say you know, but after doing it for such a long amount of time, and I'm not just talking about about COVID nineteen. I'm like, I feel like after. I don't want to get political, but after the election of 2016, the job got a lot less fun running social media on college mm-hmm. campuses just because the environment and and the, the course of conversation on college campuses really changed and the, the tone changed. And it felt like there was almost a new thing to be aware of every single day. So uh, quickly kind of have to learn, like, if I don't stop, if I don't take a break, if I don't take care of my mental health, I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, so yeah, and those tweets will always be there. You know, mm-hmm. if they tweet at three a.m., you'll find them when you get into work. They'll Absolutely. still be there, unless they deleted it and they had you know second thoughts about it, which would also be good. <laughs> Absolutely, but I always found that crisis calm in my office happened at like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, uh, which was always, which was <laughs> always, always, always a, a great thing to go in. Just as you think you're winding down, you get the phone call that says um, we have a situation we need to talk about. Uh, so yeah so keeping those boundaries in place is incredibly important so help those out there right now who are struggling with that how do you put boundaries around your day and your week Um, and how do you balance those expectations for response that public audiences and internal audiences have for you as the social media manager Ooh, oh man, uh, th- those expectations. It's t- I I think being open and talking about it a lot, and, and and talking to those internal stakeholders beyond your direct supervisor. Um, you know, ha- being sure the upper administration knows who you are, and and if they have a question, who who to go to. Uh, we have one of the few jobs on campus where everyone sees our work daily. The president sees every single thing I do. There's not a lot of other people on campus that can say that. Um, and you know, if, if somebody in accounts payable makes a typo on an email, two people see that it's no big deal. I, I make a typo on one of the hundreds of messages I send out all the time. My phone rings. On Twitter, of course, you can't edit. Exactly. (laughs) And and there's an enormous amount of pressure that goes along with that and, and kind of managing expectations of like, Hey, we are trying our best to be sure everything goes out as to, to the highest level of quality possible, but sometimes things are going to happen that, you know, 
we're going to misspell a name by accident. It's just, it's not a matter of if it's, it's a matter of when, um, we're going to try and get it right. 99.9% of the time, but there's going to be those little times here and there. Um, but yeah, opening those dialogues of conversation is really important and understand, uh, letting them understand your decision-making process, why we share this and why we don't share that. Uh, and what goals that we, you know, are, are, we're working on your goals. So share your goals and we'll post around that. Um, the, the more conversation you can have with, with upper level execs, the better. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think has really helped me during COVID put boundaries around what I do uh, during the day is we have daily itineraries. So at the end of the day, uh, we put myself and my other coworker, we put a bullet list of all the things that we're going to do tomorrow. And that just kind of becomes our checklist. And if there's anything outside of that list, you have to ask us if we have the time and capacity to do that, that thing. Um, and that actually itinerary goes into a huge itinerary um, kind of document. So every team within the communications department has an itinerary and then it all goes into one schedule. So everyone in the entire office can know what each group is doing. And that's been insanely helpful because I know uh, what the news team is doing, what they're working on. I know what media relations is working on, what issues they're seeing from the news side. Um, just in one email, we don't even need to have a meeting. It's so helpful. Um, but there is one person that puts that together that's been incredible, just incredibly great for us. Um, the other thing about the boundaries around the week, as you said, about the four o'clock, always something goes wrong. Um, I'm trying in small conversations to just say, like, if you need us over hours, please let us know before the end of the day. Um, because it can be really hard to kind of separate yourself from your personal life when you're trying to preserve that personal life so much when you're working in your personal space all the time already. I've been finding it very hard. I mean, I'm recording this in my bedroom. Um, very hard to distance um, between things that are career-driven and work-related versus just my time in my home. Um, so I have a phone bed. Um, I've talked about this in a presentation before, but I have this little lock box that my phone goes in at night um and i try to really i plug it in there it goes there and it's like a little physical spot that it goes into that i can have time away from my device um and it took a long time to get to that point because i always kind of wanted to be around in case something went wrong um but now i'm kind of in the point where it's just like okay things will go wrong if i'm not okay <laughs> so gotta preserve myself first and those boundaries are too are so important to us doing our job well. We have jobs that are we live in a constant state of distraction. There's not, you know, 15 minutes that go by without me at least once saying, now, now what was I just doing? Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm getting pinged on Twitter and email comes up or you know, some other other little piece of distraction. So I have to work very hard to minimize all other sorts of distractions. So if if you ever come into my office, it's like Marie Kondo level clean, like <laughs> impeccable all the way from my digital desktop. Like I, you know, don't keep a lot of files on, on, on my desktop, all, all, all those sorts of things. And, and setting that expectation of, Hey, um, if you need me here, here's how to, to, I, I prefer you interact with me, how I'm going to see this message as quickly as possible. If, if you absolutely need me, this is how to, to get a hold of me and kind of, kind of managing those, those avenues of communication is really important. I've even said, you know, I've told my boss sometimes like, okay, from 
one, one to, you know, one o'clock to two o'clock, I'm turning my email off. Like, that's not how you get me for something that you need right now. That's right. how, you know, if, if you need something immediately, you've got my phone number. Like that's, that's how you contact me for an emergency. Related to that, so I have met both of you via social media. Uh, we've never actually met in person and uh, have developed yeah. relationships that way. I know. <laughs> uh, how do you balance personal and work accounts during situations like this? Because we've all met because we're very active personally um, on social media as well as professionally. How How do you balance that so you're not um, one's not contributing to the the stress of the other. Well, for me, I kind of use my personal accounts to engage with the community that supports me so much. Like, I think it's probably the same for all of us, but I use Twitter to connect with people that I can vent to, I can connect to for resources. They might be in the same boat as me. They may have gone through a hard time like I have. Um, and just sharing resources with that community, contributing as much as I can because it gives me so much has been really rewarding. Um, also, I use my personal accounts uh, to really tweet during conferences. I'm like a big conference tweeter. I take all of my notes during conferences on Twitter so I can go back. It's like a public record for myself. Um, and it's a really fun way to meet other people um, through being really active in, in those moments where everyone is on a certain channel and a certain hashtag. Um, and then I, I will retweet articles that I think are like interesting, or I think that I did a really great job on the caption or something like that. But I very rarely uh, put my work stuff on my personal account. Yeah, I, I would I would say the same thing as, as Chris, as far as ha finding a community um, that that you can connect with other other social media managers until you've run social media full time professionally. And, and in the midst of a crisis, you can't really understand the struggle of it. Like I, I, you, you need other people. And so often we're armies of one. I, I'm the only full-time yeah. social media person on my campus. Like I have no one I can commiserate with or compare notes to or bounce ideas off of even, you know, like I, it, it's so valuable to have someone else. Like I'm thinking about doing, you know, I've got this project in mind. What, what do you think of it? Well, there's no one really else on the campus that understands the ins and outs or can point out holes in it or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think the trouble though that we run into sometimes is that the source of our stress is also the uh, relief from our stress. Like I, 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 I want to turn off at the end of the day, but then there's also, oh, well, there's this great community of other social media managers I still want to connect with in my off hours when I'm relaxing. I, we're in social media because we love the job. Like I, I do, it sounds terrible, but I, eat, sleep and breathe this. Like I, I really do enjoy what I do. Um, so balancing that and sometimes, you know, just saying, all right, I got to put the phone down and just escape into like a just super long book <laughs> and, and do something else, uh, is really important. Um, I, I know for me, you know, uh, having a son now being a dad, um, has, has really changed the way I approach social media. It's like, well, I got to put the phone down now because this kid's way more important uh, than whatever's going on on Twitter. Uh, so that's helped out a lot. Kind of, that's kind of forced me to set some boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, the, having that community is really helpful. And then I would also say for personal accounts, if we're, we're in higher ed and, and, and for me starting out as a, as a teacher and thinking about going to get my PhD, 
that mindset of publish or perish was really drilled into me. So to me, sharing my, my professional knowledge on Twitter is part of my job. It's like what in going and presenting at conferences and sharing that knowledge and, 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 and being, um, yeah, I, I, I don't like the term thought, thought leader, but like being a, uh, be, You're being a thought a, leader. Be, just go be, ahead oh, and own it. No, I, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't really like the, I say a, a resource. My coworkers, I have like, to tell you, my coworkers were thrilled that I was on this podcast with you. They're super fans. So I, I think you have a, a strong following. <laughs> I, I would say, I would say a, a good, a good citizen of our professional community is what I want to be. I like um, that. And, yeah. And, I like that too. And, and that's, and I think that's important for all of us working in higher ed. I agree. Okay. So let's uh, talk a little bit then about, about wrap up. You know, we've talked about that transition and, and some of the challenges we're facing. Um, maybe we haven't hit on what you personally struggle with most. So what are the ways um that you can be best supported. When I was reading the research out of uh, West Virginia University, uh, what struck me was that, that supervisors and teams were what made the biggest difference, it seemed, um, in the mental health of the social media managers. Uh, in my departments previously, we actually never had a full-time social media devoted position. Um, it was always shared or a large chunk of the position, but it was never on its own, um, which I think is not uncommon <laughs> across colleges and universities um, that we see. So when I read that, I thought, you know, okay, so what would I do to best support my staff here? So how, what does your audience need to know? What do your, your administration, your supervisor, your coworkers, your faculty uh, need to know to best support you in your job? I think just one thing is we need to put our phones down sometimes, like give us some time to be away. We can't be accessible all the time. Um, especially like for me, I know I struggle because I'm addicted to social media and I'm sure it's the a reason that I'm in the position I'm in because I just got so used to consuming it and then I got more ideas and then I wanted to do things that I saw uh, in teams that had way more money than me. And I was like, no, I'm going to do that anyway. I'm going to figure out a way. Um, so it's a way to get inspiration, but you can get all consumed by it. And it just, I, I like to liken it to a casino. You just keep scrolling and you kind of lose track of time. Um, but I think just the, the idea that, um, the platforms that we work on don't sleep and they don't close down. It's not like once you send out the email, you get the, like the, the comments back and then you have to wait until you send in another one. There's kind of like an in-between for some other jobs that they don't get, you know, a conversation in between, but we can get that conversation all the time. So maybe a little bit of, uh, some, some understanding that there needs to be some downtime, even in a crisis and probably uh, more so for a crisis to have some uh, shifts or some ways that other people can be involved in, uh, in the care of the crisis at the time. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Supervising with their social media person from time to time, they need to, to say, hey, especially during a crisis and now it's crisis 24 seven. So like, hey, how you doing? How you holding up? Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that we can do, you know, to, to kind of lighten your load a little bit? Because I think with social media, sometimes we're a little hesitant to ask for help. Yeah. Um, and, you know, be understanding that those comments that your social media manager is reading affect them um, mm -hmm. because it's a constant barrage 
Um, and, and it, it took me a while to understand how even damaging it was to myself. I, I've often, and I still probably need to stop this, but I often joke about working at the Texas Department of Transportation and saying that there's nothing you can say that hurts my feelings anymore on social media uh, after receiving so many complaints. But that damages you after a while. And it's hard to separate yourself because you know professionally when they're saying uh, criticism, it's not at the social media manager, it's at the university or whatever entity you're you're representing. But it's so hard to 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 to, to separate that. I, I I tweeted recently as like when when we speak as our brand voice on, on social media, it's always we. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we. But when we are criticized, it's always you. You know, you need to fix parking. You need to do this. You need to do that. And just reading that constantly um, can, can, can wear on one's mental health very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not telling your social media manager, oh, just shrug it off or just ignore the trolls. Because that's not something that really can be done. You need that time off and away from it. And the fact that it can happen at any moment. I'll be, you know, trying to play a game with my son and then I get a bang on my phone. And of course, I, I, I probably should get a phone bed like Krista's, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it. And it's like, <laughs> do better UCA about something that's just not important at all. But that that's not just a 30 second interaction that that takes up mind space and, and mm-hmm. sticks with you. So um, I think supervisors and in and, and all the way up the chain, VPs, the university president needs to know this. Like, <laughs> take care mm-hmm. of your social media manager and just let them know, hey, you're, you're doing good work and also have their back. Because like I said, everyone sees your work and has an opinion of it. So it's good to know that you have a supervisor that will stand up for you if somebody doesn't like your work. <laughs> That's incredibly mm-hmm. important too. Well, and also just being able to have a voice and saying, hey, we're getting all this criticism. I'm reading it raw. This is my recommendation for you based on seeing it, you know, at the frequency, because I think sometimes um, it gets a bit watered down when we create these reports and filter them out and make them short enough for leadership to consume. And I fear that sometimes they, the numbers of reach and engagement and the number of users doesn't, it, it's kind of lost on leadership as far as how much of an impact this is for students. And the language that they're using is they're really in a crisis of their own. And I think that that's kind of lost on leadership sometimes that this is just a tweet and it's a link that they can click in, but someone took the time to write a thread about how they are in emergency right now. So sometimes I think, social media people are kind of left in a bit of a lurch that we feel so connected to these students, to these faculty that are, you know, in, in our community and they're, they're asking for our help and we just can't give them an answer or we're not the ones that can create that solution for them. So that's also something that leadership, it would be nice for them to understand. Yeah, I think to, to kind of piggyback off of that, one thing that, you know, the only crisis going on, COVID is not the only crisis right now, the communications no. going on. You know, if the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, so many campuses, there, there's, you know, hashtag black at Mizzou, hashtag black. We had one hashtag black at UCA where, where students are sharing their experiences of, of encountering racism on our college campuses. And and they and, and to, to, to Chris's point, that that's such a profound moment and, and, and one that's, that's very difficult to share publicly and, and to, mm-hmm. to, to read through all of these stories. I, I remember that day was just emotionally draining for me. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying this as a, 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 from a point of privilege, I'm, you know, 40 yeah. year old middle-class white guy. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, we, we need to think uh, uh, about 
you know, our, our social media uh, managers who are, come from marginalized communities who might be reading this and it be, it be is triggering for them. Uh, yeah. And then that's part of their job and having those mental health resources and having those conversations afterwards of saying, okay, well, let's, let's, you know, we're, we're going to deal with this on social media and the school is going to deal with it, but let's also focus on, 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 on your mental health, um, ha having gone through all of that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a bit of a different crisis responder position because it's not like somebody's coming at you saying, this is my issue, help me. It's like, this is my issue. It's your problem. Like, what are you going to do to fix my problem? So it's not a simple, you know, you give them a resource and that's it. Yeah. That's a bit more complicated that way. I wish there was sort of like a crisis responder course for social media <laughs> professionals. Uh, but uh, I think it's, it's really nuanced depending on what the issue was, like JS was saying, like for us, uh, mental health, like student mental health has been a, a big topic for us. And it hit me personally really hard. Um, and I actually had to, after some time, go on leave because I just, I couldn't handle the, the stress of it in my own, itch, you know, my own area of life. So um, yeah, I think it would be nice if we could have some sort of support beyond that. Well, it just goes to to all of the the jobs that are part of being a social media manager. You're you're, you're a marketer. You're your customer service. Your crisis response. You're 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 creating this content. So maybe you're doing graphic design and videography and all of these other things, and you're still just one person. Maybe maybe two or three if you're lucky. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, you talk about mental mental health issues. Sometimes students are sharing their own personal struggles, and you're not a counselor but they've tagged the university. So you kind of need to either report that to somebody or do something with that. Like, so we need those resources and we need that training. So we're doing the right thing. Okay. So support from supervisors is incredibly important, but what does that support ideally look like other than um, supervisors reaching out in support, which is fantastic, but doesn't take us down the line of having actual tools um, to deal with the ramifications from this? Well, I'll say one thing, having access to a counselor or therapist is incredibly important. Um, University of Central Arkansas provides that to their faculty and staff. Uh, so if your school does that, take advantage of it. That's incredibly important as a first step. Um, and, and, you know, back to kind of supervisor support, the supervisor actually giving you time during the day to go see your therapist, that sort of thing uh, is, is really important. Um, and also, you know, taking those mental health days. And, and I, I do my best. I try to you know, in my department, normalize that. Like when I request a, a mental health day, I don't just tell my boss, oh, I need a day off. I say, I need a mental health day. Um, so, and, and, and so I might even share that with my coworkers. I'm taking a mental health day tomorrow. Uh, so they know that they can use that as, as a resource. Um, it, it's really important because if you're not taking care of your mental health, you can't do your job well for very long. So, um, and kind of normalize the fact that taking care of yourself is being part of, part of being a good employee is taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And I think to tag along on that, um, we actually have a set of money within our benefits to go out and get a counselor. So the amount for me and when I was on leave, I was actually able to go every week. Um, so that was amazing just to have access to that. And it helped immensely. Um, and actually, when I was on my leave, I was pretty open and honest. And it took some bravery to just open up and say, look, I had this episode. I am off because of mental health stress. This is what's happening to me. And I had so many people, not just work colleagues, but people that were friends, people that I lost touch with that said, I've experienced this too, but was too afraid to share it. And I think just being able to normalize that work can have an incredible amount of stress on your life. We work more than any other activity in our lives. That's just how it is. I don't love it. Um, but if your situation is not more positive than negative, it's definitely going to affect your sleep, your mental health, your eating patterns. Like it's not just mental health and in your brain. It's like, it's how your whole body functions. So it's definitely something that, uh, if you can be open and honest with yourself and with others, it will help normalize it and remove the stigma. Um, we also have a wellness hub at the University of Toronto um, that allows you to take webinars. So there's webinars on burnout, there's webinars on um, compassion, being compassionate to yourself, which I think is not necessarily related fully, but it actually is connected in a way that if you are compassionate about yourself, you will take the time for yourself. Um, so that's been interesting to have the opportunity to do that um, and take that time during your workday um, to take those webinars. And that's just across the university. It's not social media specific. Great. Okay. So what have you found helps you that you would like to share in hopes of giving your colleagues tools for dealing with uh, the day in and day out stress of managing social media? Uh, I can start. It's a job. We have to remember that it's a job. We are not going into an ER. Like sometimes it is a very much an emergency situation, but we have to play in that we have to bring our whole selves to that job. And uh, I think I would just say the, the one thing that's really helped me is uh, trying as much as possible to picture myself and how I'm going into a situation first, taking a deep breath. Breathing is a huge um, help for me. Um, I know when I was doing a presentation a few weeks ago or a month ago, I guess, we led a, a breathing exercise and there was a number of people that just weren't able to do it just because you just don't have the capacity to do other things. Um, so definitely trying to be present and you know bringing your heart rate down, that would be my advice for my colleagues. Yeah, I, I would agree and second that. And I say it's, it's not any one thing. Like we're never going to just self care our way to 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 better mental health. There's, you've got to do that on top of diet and exercise and going to see your therapist. It's it's a combination of of doing all of these things. For me, exercise has helped out a lot. I I, I grew up um, a kid who hated gym class. <laughs> um, being being a, a a kid in the south with, that, with bad allergies and asthma, you don't really like gym. So I was kind of <laughs> shy away from 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 exercise for a while and going to the gym. And my wife finally talked me into like, we're getting a personal trainer. We're going to the gym. This isn't the before times when we still could do that, but it was. <laughs> just right off the bat, getting into that regular routine of it was immensely helpful and helped me to disconnect because I'm not on my phone when I'm on the, you know, elliptical or, or, or on a weight machine or something like that. And I've tried my best to kind of continue that into to, to these 
uh, quote unquote unprecedented times. Oh, we almost made it through the podcast without saying yeah. the word. Uh, uh, but for, for for me, that that has been that's been uh, immensely helpful. Yeah, I do. Think- I never. Oh, I was just going to say, never uh, believe that you're alone, even if you're a team of one. There is a community that is going through the exact same thing as you. So you should never feel like you're experiencing this by yourself. Or even if you have a boss that's unsupportive or leadership that's unsupportive, there is somebody or a group of people in the community that will support you and lift you up through hard times. So, yeah. So I would say that that when I'm trying to disconnect and manage stress, I try to set aside um, discrete non-work related things that that force me to unplug, uh, usually in the form of reading and or television. Uh, for me, because it's been such an unprecedented time. See, you opened that can of worms and now we have to go with it. Um, it's always very fluffy for me. So I'm not going to admit to all the books that I've been reading because they are decidedly fluffy. Um, but fluffy books I, are great. <laughs> I am loving some fluffy television too. I'm currently obsessed with The Great, uh, which is a not very accurate, but super fun portrayal of Catherine the Great's story on Hulu right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your your summer obsessions for a little downtime? Uh, my summer obsession has been my backyard garden. I live in downtown Toronto and it is a, a huge kind of like privileged to have a backyard space. So uh, we're growing all kinds of things there, beans, kale, eggplant, tomatoes, leeks, so many things. So that's been nice because getting your hands in the dirt, you cannot hold your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, you know, generally I'm a very, very avid reader. My master's degree is in literature. So I like to read big weighty books, but ever since the pandemic. Like I haven't been able to do that. I I was reading uh, Lang Ma's Severance, which is about a pandemic and just realized like, this is not what I need to be like. (laughs) So it's just too real for me right now. Um, So I, I've, I've been playing Animal Crossing. (laughs) You and the rest of the world. Yeah. um, It's what the world needs right now. It's just, it's kind of mindless. I can kind of zone out and kind of like reset my brain and just not, it's, it's, it's a very low stress video game. Um, I can play it with my son and, you know, he's, he's three and a half and he just tells me what to do. Go here, build that, cut that tree. Um, (laughs) And um, that, that's been a lot of fun for me. So that, that's been a, a nice indoors escape. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. Uh, And thank you to all of those who are listening in on the podcast. We've hoped that uh, we've shared some information and and that we can continue on um, in future weeks with our our topics. Uh, Do either of you want to give a last shout out of where you can be found if somebody would like to follow up in conversation? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter um, at Krista Boniface. Uh, you can message me, chat with me pretty much about anything. I'm I'm pretty active on there. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at JS Stansel. Um, you can check out my podcast, uh, Thought Feeder Pod. Uh, and um, we do that. I do that with my friend Joel Goodman about once a week. Uh, and uh, I blog on occasion at uh, jsstansel.com. 
And that wraps up the first episode of the new Higher Voltage podcast. We're grateful to both of our guests for taking their time to join us today. And we're looking forward to more great conversations with higher ed thought leaders in the weeks and months to come. If you'd like to explore our topic further, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at hdotchell.com.